Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about the very important nutrient, sulfur. But as always, we would be happy to answer your questions or take your phone calls and talk about anything that's happening in your farm right now. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. When it comes to sulfur, a couple of things I'll start you off with here. Number one is it's leachable. They say that sulfate is roughly half as leachable or leaches at half the rate, I should say, as nitrate. So it's not going to leach as fast as nitrate, but still it's going to leach, especially if you have lighter soil and lots of rainfall. So that's a really big thing and a big reason why you pretty much need to add some sulfur just about every year. The other side of this is we're getting less in the form of air pollution, at least in the United States. So when you think about our air being cleaner, right away you say, oh, that's great, and I'm happy that we are breathing cleaner air. Okay, I agree, that's awesome as a human being, but as a farmer, selfishly for my crop, um, I didn't mind necessarily the sulfur raining down from the sky. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we want to go back to that, but I am saying if you were counting on a bunch of sulfur falling out of the sky into your fields for free, that's not happening so much anymore. So here again, you're probably going to think about needing a little more sulfur. And then the final reason I'll say you might need more sulfur in the future is odds are, and hopefully this is the case in your farm, yields continue to go up every year. If you compare what a lot of people are raising in my area right now, around 200 bushel corn, versus even 20 years ago when people were raising 130 bushel corn, well, You need roughly 50% more sulfur if your yield is going to go up 50%. So it just requires a lot of sulfur. And I'd encourage you to download the free Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app. You can look at your crop and your sulfur needs for the year based on your yield goals. But in most cases, it's quite a few pounds per year. Sulfur is not a micronutrient. A A lot of times people will say, oh, micronutrients, and they'll add sulfur in there. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. The micronutrients are the ones where we talk about, yeah, you might need a half a pound in a year. Well, with sulfur, you might need 30 pounds in a year. It is what we call a secondary nutrient. It's together with magnesium and calcium because it isn't just a pound or less you're going to need for the year. It's many pounds most likely. So just keep sulfur in mind, and we'll talk about that throughout the show. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! Oh, I love this first question. It comes in from Robert about milkweed. And he said, guys, we don't have milkweed too bad out in our fields, but I'm looking for a specific chemical that works best on it. And here's our situation. Uh, we were using Tordon in ditches, uh, and it's working great. But in the cropland, we can wipe it out for the year, but nothing's taken it out long term. What's the long-term solution to milkweed out in fields? We've got sunflowers, soybeans, wheat, and hay millet as our crop rotation. Soybeans, sunflowers, wheat, and hay millet. Yeah, so I'll just put it this way. There's nothing that's going to be perfect in any of those crops. Even in the soybeans, I would say Roundup is the answer, and it is. But the challenge is how much can you use in one shot? 
the maximum labeled rate you're going to be able to use is in crop in crop yes in crop is i'm going to call it borderline on getting that milkweed under control so that's the that's the challenge but nevertheless if i had soybeans i'd raise roundup ready beans and if i keep hitting it let's call it two or three times each time i raise those beans um, I'm going to really thin out my milkweed stand. The reason why we want that high dose of glyphosate on this weed is because it takes a lot to get way down into that root system and fully kill the root system. Because I can tell you from firsthand experience, as a person who's pulled thousands of milkweed plants in his life, if you pull the plant, you will not kill it in almost 100% of the cases. Usually that root still continues to grow and it's not very long and you get a new shoot again. So what I'm trying to say here is it's not enough to burn down the top growth, and that's what just about every herbicide does out there. Your best bet is you got to hit it either before your crop comes out of the ground or after you've harvested your crop with these other crops that are non-Roundup, okay? So your sunflowers and, I mean, anything else, small grains, whatever. Do it before the, the crop comes out of the ground and do it after you've harvested in the hopefully late summer or early fall. And you got to hit it with a strong dose. And here's the last thing I'll leave you with. Low water. Do not use 20 gallons of water. Heck, I don't even like 10 gallons of water. With milkweed, I'd keep that water volume as low as possible. Four, five, seven gallons per acre, something like that. The reason why is because milkweed has such a waxy leaf, stuff will run right off it. So you got to have a very concentrated droplet. That's the key to killing common milkweed. Thanks for the question, Robert. Uh, got this one in from Hugh, and I think Hugh's looking for a little bit of market intel here, Brian. He said there was a news article a few weeks ago about Union Pacific Railroad cutting back on fertilizer shipments. I'm curious, I'm not in a farming area, but I'm curious, is there a fertilizer shortage? Are farmers in the Midwest getting all the nutrients no. their crops need? Yes. Yep, yep, there's no problem. And what you're going to see moving forward, if crop prices go down and fertilizer prices stay even where they're at today, not even going up, but staying where they're at today, you're going to see a lot of people trying to figure out, how do I get smarter at fertility? I can just tell you this next winter, we are expecting a tremendous amount of interest in some of our clinics are going to be doing about how you cut back on fertilizer the right way. You got to be careful because if you cut back on something that's making you money, well, that means you're going to make less net income and we can't have that. But what I am saying here is thanks to precision agriculture, great soil testing, and you know all this amazing equipment we have today, it's very possible to go out there, do a good job of soil sampling, and then variable rate the fertilizer. So you put in areas where you're able to use the fertilizer, you put the right stuff. And in areas where you can't or you don't need it, you cut way back or maybe put none on. So the more that gets done, the more we're going to be able to, as a, as a farm community, cut back on fertilizer used. Well, speaking of fertilizer, we're talking about sulfur on today's Ag PhD radio show. Stay tuned. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles, the ideal nozzle for dicamba and 2,4-D applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're talking about sulfur. Uh, this is a, an interesting nutrient, and I, I get so many questions about this that, that come virtually uh, every week. I'm not getting as much sulfur out there as I used to with air pollution and other things, and I'm seeing more response from putting more sulfur out there. What's the limit, and are, do you believe any of these numbers that the universities have put out over the years because now things have changed with pollution and so forth? Yeah, there's a lot of discussion around this nutrient, and I do think it's one that if you're looking at doing some trial work on different things on your farm, sulfur rates, that's kind of a good one because uh, I would agree with a lot of the comments that we have seen higher rates of sulfur help us in general, but obviously there's always a limit, and we don't want to be putting too much on, but we want to find that right amount that our crop needs. All right, said to our first guest here, we've got John Leaf with AgriLiquid. Uh, John, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. You know, we're talking about sulfur here, and I just mentioned I get a lot of questions about this. Is this one of the more popular nutrients you get questioned about as well? Oh, all the time, yes. Um, we have found that over the last oh, five to ten years that uh, sulfur has become one of the, the biggest limiters of, uh, of yield and, uh, and crop performance. And uh, since we're not getting the, the free sulfur from the air anymore due to our uh, uh, environmental laws, which I think is a good thing, uh, we do have to uh, understand that as part of the crop nutrition program. Well, I agree with you. I think less air pollution is a good thing. And the downside, one of the downsides anyway, is one of the few downsides is we have to buy a little bit more sulfur fertilizer. So for anybody saying, man, I didn't used to have to put this on, that is one of the big factors out there. There's no question. You look at our diesel fuels cleaned up and uh, a lot of the, the manufacturing plants and those types of things. So those things are good. All right, John, how do we get sulfur out there? And, you know, a lot of times we, we hear agroliquid and, and many of our listeners that say, oh, okay, 
yeah, those guys have a lot of low salt things we can put right with the planter. Is planting time the time to be doing this, or uh, do you want to see multiple applications throughout the season? Uh, we like to see sulfur in as many different uh, locations and timings as we can get. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we have sulfur in a lot of our different products. Uh, we have sulfur uh, in our product Enhance that can go directly on the seed or in a two-by-two. Two. Uh, we also have sulfur in many of our other products like our uh, Calibrate uh, potassium product, for example, that can go on at planting. And we also have uh, products like Access and, and Calcip that can go on uh, with our nitrogen applications uh, throughout the growing season. So having uh, sulfur I like to see at least some sulfur up front with the crop planting and then uh, uh, have it in combination with nitrogen uh, throughout the course of the growing season. You know, when we think about that, and I, and I agree with you, I, I kind of like it with the nitrogen just thinking, hey, these are leachable nutrients. They move around in the soil. Uh, similar application methods are often fine. Uh, you know, when we're looking at, at those in-season applications, I know nitrogen, we really want to see some rainfall on that if we possibly can. How about sulfur? Is it a little bit more stable? Uh Yes, it's more stable from the standpoint of volatilization. It's not going to be volatilizing uh, like, say, uh, you know, a, a surface application of, of uh, a liquid nitrogen, for example. So we're not quite so worried about that, although it can leach uh, if you get uh, too much rain, of course. It's not quite as leachable as nitrogen, but uh, it, it can follow the same, uh, the same paths. So uh, we do want to take care of, of when we apply that sulfur. Now, here's the million-dollar question. Is there a target number on your soil test that you're really shooting for, or are you just looking at, well, what's your yield goal and how much that crop's going to use? Uh, well, sulfur uh, buildup uh, is, is a challenging thing because, uh, because it is leachable, and we are using a whole lot more sulfur these days than we uh, used to use because of our yield goals. So, um, I like to look at it more as a, uh, a yield goal. What does the crop need for sulfur? A lot of uh, crops uh, with the yield goals these days are looking at needing 20 to 30 pounds of sulfur per acre. Uh, so we want to try to get that uh, uh, in the various uh, uh, products that we have. And you know, obviously, if there is a fair amount of sulfur in that soil, uh, if you're getting up to 20 to 25 parts per million of sulfur, uh, you don't get nearly as big of a, uh, a response uh, from a sulfur treatment as you do uh, when those levels are well below 20 parts per million. Uh, but we do want to make sure to have plenty of sulfur in place uh, so that uh, the crop can utilize it and it can uh, help nitrogen do what it has to do as well. Yeah, all these nutrients are interrelated, and you're right, getting them in uh, the right balance is a really big deal. We're talking with John Leaf here with AgroLiquid. John, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. All right. Thank you for having me. Let's head down to Iowa, get Kelly Garrett on with us. He's a farmer down there in western Iowa and also works with the Extreme Ag Group. Kelly, sulfur is a big one. I know you need a lot of it for corn, but uh, it's it's not one that you can just put a whole bunch out there and just think you're good for the year. So how do you do that? Yeah, sulfur to me, Darren, is 
potentially the most important element that we work with, maybe second only to carbon. And the reason is it isn't just a nutrient, it's also a soil amendment. As, as, as John said, I was listening, you know, John said it's so leachable. The reason it's leachable is because everything in the soil that is cumbersome to us wants to attach to it. Where, where I live and where you live, we have our base saturation problem is because of calcium. If you get over on the Missouri River bottom, south of Sioux City, Ottawa, Mondamon, Iowa, I'm familiar with those areas, they have way too much magnesium. And the only way to amend those problems that I have found, the most economical way, is sulfur. John is talking about, the, uh, from a nutrient standpoint, 20 or 30 pounds is what the crop needs. And I, I think he's probably right. But I apply up to 100 pounds of sulfur a year because sulfur is a soil amendment first and a nutrient second. And if you don't put enough out there to amend your soil, there isn't any left to be a nutrient because the problems in your soil will gobble it all up. Yeah, it is interesting how sulfur converts into that sulfate form, or maybe you're even putting it out in the sulfate form. And you're right, it grabs on to a lot of things, like magnesium is is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we think about that in terms of pH adjustment. We think about in terms of just balancing things out in the soil. And that's why I was saying, man, we've seen more sulfur be helpful for us, but there, there is a limit. Have you crossed that line, Kelly? Because we often call it the moron theory that we, we just need to put more on. We need to put more on. And eventually we look like a moron if we way overdo things. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm looking for a little confession here, Kelly. Have you, have you had one of those moments? I have not. I've never seen the yields go backwards. I see. I believe at some point there's no more benefit. You know, sulfur is a double negative charge, very acidic element, obviously. Calcium and magnesium are double positives, very basic, and everything's looking to get neutral. And when you introduce that s- s- elemental sulfur, in my case with my plant food byproduct, or, you know, a, a, a normal grower, which I've come to the conclusion I'm not normal, but a normal grower using ammonium sulfate, when you introduce that sulfate, that's the most attractive thing to the calcium and the magnesium. You're basically making gypsum and Epsom salts in your soil, and that's what's leachable. You know, we've identified here one of our biggest uh, our biggest def- deficiencies is calcium. Well, I've got all this calcium in my soil, and it's not available. And so we apply calcium a lot, but we apply calcium a lot to have some from the plant, but I've got to apply a tremendous amount of sulfur to balance my soil to unlock the potential for my soil. Plus, I still need more sulfur for my crop. And it is, it, it's so important here in these less hills of western Iowa. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the other thing I think about with sulfur, too, is how many different ways we put sulfur out there for putting some zinc sulfate out or, you know, almost any of these micronutrients where we're throwing a little sulfur with it. Or even if you're putting calcium out, it might be calcium sulfate. So we, we do have a lot of yep. different ways that we're putting out. we got to add all those things up. But uh, we're speaking with Kelly Garrett here that sometimes that number gets a little higher than many of the numbers that we've heard. Hey, Kelly, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Look forward to seeing you soon. See you next week, Darren. You bet. And, of course, what Kelly's talking about is the Ag PhD Field Day. That's coming up Thursday, July 28th. You can find all the details at agphd.com. We'll continue our sulfur discussion right after this. Stay tuned. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. 
With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air it's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're talking about sulfur. If you've got any agronomic questions regarding sulfur or anything else on your farm, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to Pennsylvania. We've got Ron Olson with the Sulfur Institute on. Uh, Ron, you know, we talk about N, P, and K a lot, but sulfur, that's really the fourth major crop nutrient, correct? That is correct. I really appreciate you start leading with that particular statement it's it's a it's an important aspect uh, of that farmers and crop consultants and the ccas really need to consider we're not going to get all the benefits of np and k unless we get uh, the right amount of sulfur in in that program as well it really uh, that that's important for total balanced crop nutrition 
You know, we just had one of the highest yielding corn farmers we know, and I think the highest yielding corn farmer in the state of Iowa right now on, and he was saying, yeah, they talk about 20 or 30 pounds of sulfur for feeding the crop, but he said, I, I look at it as a soil amendment as well. Uh, when you think about that, Ron, there, there are a lot of different ways sulfur gets used. Oh, there absolutely uh, yeah, There are many ways that sulfur gets used. The, the, he's using a a, ter, you know, a terminology I, I w- that I would agree with in terms of 20 to 30 pounds of sulfur is, is what the crop removes. And if we're, if, and even more than that, if we're looking at the 300 bushel plus yields that farmers are um, more regularly taking off of their, their fields, it's, 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 we're approaching 40, 50 pounds re- removal. And um, so we need to do uh, the proper thinking, uh, the proper soil testing and analyzing, uh, look at, looking at our pri- prior year's crop new crop tissue analysis results. Sulfur is um, vitally important. It has been, it has always been important, but as we've changed the way we manufacture fertilizer, it is no longer coming free of charge along in the fertilizer uh, like it once was or in some of the other uh, sources. So we've got to really plan to put it in place. And it's, it, it, it really is that fourth major crop nutrient that we cannot forget couple things there. You mentioned that we used to get a lot of sulfur for free, whether it's through our diesel fuel that had a lot of sulfur in or whether it's fertilizer sources that had sulfur in that we weren't really paying for. Even they were just in there through the manufacturing process. Of course, there's been pollution and those types of things too. So I do think sulfur has been taken for granted a little bit. When we're out there looking in fields, Ron, I know on our farm, we, we like to soil test down two feet deep when we're looking at a leachable nutrient like nitrogen. Would you recommend the same thing with sulfur that we should be looking at the top two feet? Can our crop access it that deep? And our crop certainly can access it that deep. And you're, you're bringing up, an, uh, I, I have to speak um, bluntly that I have not done that personally, looking at sulfur down two feet. I think it would be smart to start doing that. Um, the, the, the grower that you just had on your earlier interview who understands how sulfur is important to his program, I think we'd learn some very important information to understand how much sulfur is really at that two-foot level And because the crop can access it. If it's down there accessing nitrogen, it's going to be picking up sulfur as well. So the way, I think you're looking at a, a potentially new best, best practice to start um, incorporating into our thinking as we think about for our nutrition, uh, for our uh, the, the four R's, putting the right product in the right place, uh, we need to measure where it is and uh, understand if we're if there's an inventory down there that we can take advantage of. So you've got a great idea there. I'm, in fact, it's I make a note of that to see if we can <laughs> gather some data on that yet this year. There you go. Well, I got, got some homework for you, Ron. That's okay. Okay, well, let me throw exactly. another thing at you. Uh, and this is something, too, over the years. We've heard people talk about, in corn specifically, rapid growth syndrome. And when Brad and I go out and so- or in plant tissue test fields where we see some yellow-topped plants, Oftentimes, they're running short of sulfur. They're just not able to bring in enough sulfur in a, in a real hurry as that crop is growing. And corn can often go from knee high to shoulder high in just a couple of weeks, the way it seems. So I know we have a high demand for the nutrient. Uh, is that something, too? I, I, I don't hear a lot of other people talking about that, about, hey, sulfur could be one of the things we're running short on. Absolutely, we are. You're raising a very important and valid point. Um, a really 
top-notch uh, ag consultant is going to have that in his uh, hip pocket as he's walking fields and scouting, and you guys are ahead of the game by recognizing that and putting that into your thinking and into the thinking of your CCAs that are on board uh, serving your customers. So, no, that's an important thing to, to be looking at and absolutely um, has been overlooked and no, no longer should be, actually. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Well, there's a lot to learn about sulfur. We're thankful for the folks at the Sulfur Institute and the information you put out. And uh, we've been been thankful to have Ron Olson on with us on today's program. Ron, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you here. Good to talk to you today. You bet. Uh, let's head down to uh, Missouri, I, I guess, with, with Andy Circle, with Raven. How you doing, Andy? Hey, good. How are you today? Good, good. I was thinking you were in South Dakota, but you're down in Missouri? Well, I'm based. I live in Missouri, but I'm actually in South Dakota at the Raven Innovation Campus today. Excellent. Okay, well, we're talking sulfur today, and, you know, one of the things about uh, this particular nutrient is uh, we've got a a lot of variants out in our fields. And so it's interesting as we talk about all the different systems, uh, ways we can measure things, and even the autonomy that we've got coming to get things done. Uh, technology is really playing in the favor of the farmer right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're faced with smaller application windows and harvest windows and planting windows and uh, labor shortages. And yet we're expected to grow more with less every single year. And autonomy is, we believe, 100% is the solution to that. And we've created a path to autonomy to, to get the grower to where they need to be and solve these issues for them, uh, not only, you know, to help with the shortages and hitting these windows, but to get the four R's correct, too. You know, it's not uh, just autonomy is one piece of it, but automation and combining those two to give the ultimate holistic solution is really the goal. Well, I, I know some of our listeners uh, probably haven't heard this yet, but we've been working very closely with Raven around the Ag PhD Field Day with autonomy uh, to to solve some of our challenges here at the Field Day site and also to showcase what's going on in this field. Can you talk a little bit, Andy, about what, what growers will see at the Ag PhD Field Day? Yeah, I'm excited to say I was actually there last year when we, we showed off the OmniDrive system. We're going to be showcasing the OmniDrive system again this year. OmniDrive is a uh, autonomous grain cart system. So we take a, a Magnum or a New Holland T8, we put a kit on it, and we put a kit on the combine, and allows that combine operator to call that, call that grain cart to the combine without anybody in it. Uh, after they do that and they unload, once it pulls up, it matches the speed and position of the combine that we all we calibrate when we install. After that, if he needs to get another hopper to fill that, he can stage that uh, grain cart off to the side and then bring it back around. Or if it uh, tops off the grain cart and it needs to go to the truck, he can send that grain uh, grain cart over to where the truck is and then the truck driver can jump in, unload, and then he can head to town, uh, drop off the sim or unload the semi, while uh, the combine operator can do it all over again. So it's really showcasing an autonomous grain cart solution. We'll be having riding drives all day, so hopefully we'll have our uh, new command center out there that really showcases the demo experience. So we have uh, a large trailer that has TVs, and we can talk through and see what the combine and, and uh, Green Carter doing in the field, see that, talk through it, and give them some an experience before they even get in the cab. 
How far off is this technology, Andy, from being on uh, quite a few farms around the country? Is it five years away? Is it 10 years away? Or is it right around the corner? So last year we tested on approximately 25 farms around the U.S., um, including about, and then another probably five in South Africa. I'm going to say we'll have this type of autonomy in the field sooner, sooner than later whether it be with tillage or harvest or fertilizer spreading autonomy is here and we're we're living this every single day and sooner than later you're going to see tractors running in the field uh, by themselves well certainly leaders in the industry uh, raven has been at the forefront of this technology we got andy circle here right now with us and look forward to seeing all that coming up at the field day next week andy thank you so much Yep, appreciate it. Hope everybody comes out to see us. You bet. And we'll be right back after this. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 chain roll is a simple replacement stalk roll for your corn head. Chain roll doubles the rate of stalk breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. 
See 360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're in the studio today here in the Morton studio. But next week on Thursday, we will be outside at the Ag PhD Field Day showing off many of our research plots uh, and new technologies. Uh, one company that you will run into there is Sound Ag, and we've got Rebecca Helgett with us right now to talk a little bit about what's going on at Field Day. Hey, Rebecca, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. You bet. So what uh, what is SoundAg up to? We certainly see the name out there a lot, and for, for many farmers, it's a new name. And uh, it's pretty exciting, some of the things you're working on. So what, what can you share with us, Rebecca? Yeah, so it is an exciting time for us. And so here at Sound Agriculture, we're developing tools that are helping growers improve their efficiency and their yield by unlocking the power of plants and soil. Well, that sounds good. Uh, I, I want to unlock the power of my plants because I know we've got potential for 700 bushel corn, but we're only getting 200 bushel, Rebecca. Uh, what part can Sound Ag play in that? Where, where do you come in? What types of uh, applications and products are we talking about? Yeah, for sure. So our flagship product is called Source, and we've got it available for both corn and soybeans. And what it is, it's a foliar spray. It's a chemical that growers can use to increase yield overall or to reduce some pounds of nitrogen and maintain their current yield. And so what we're doing is activating the nitrogen-fixing microbes and the phosphate-solubilizing microbes in the soil to work harder. You know, that is something that's pretty interesting. And in, in agriculture, I would say as farmers, we don't understand enough about all uh, the things going on in that soil. And there are tons and tons of, of living creatures there that are doing a lot of work for us, doing a lot of the hard, uh, heavy lifting. Now, you mentioned reduce the, the pounds of nitrogen you'd need to apply potentially here and activate things in our fields that, that could make more of that available. That's something that should catch everybody attention. Uh, when you look at source this year, uh, what are you seeing? I guess, uh, have you seen more, more exciting things in corn or in soybeans this year? Or is there anything that growers who are using source or should be looking for out in their fields right now? You know, it's, it's an interesting year for sure. And a lot of late planting, especially in our area. And talking to a lot of growers, a lot of growers here use our early application for the products and this season it's been really beneficial because it's been able to really get those plants back on track with more access to nutrients catching up that early growth and getting them stronger more resilient going into the rest of the season so there are two application windows but honestly in our area most growers go with the early but it just depends on their strategy and what they're looking to do you know, when you think about foliar applications, there are a lot of things that go into having success in, in those situations. Uh, when when we look at timing, this is a big one. And there have been some weather challenges, and you're you're in South Dakota. You know what I'm talking about here. It, it can be really hot and really dry, and it can be too wet. And just in the last few years, we've had each of those situations. And that's not good for a lot of those microbes that are out there. And uh, for farmers, it's kind of a challenge of, man, what can I do to, to stimulate things in, in that 
microbial environment. So uh, it's fun to have products like Source that we can talk about and take a look at out in our fields to, to start making some of those differences. Yeah, I completely agree. And it just makes sense, right? So we know that there's already trillions of nutrient cycling microbes out in our fields. They're native to those fields. And we just need to wake them back up to do their job better. And so that's really what we're after here. Yeah, there's a lot to see at the Ag PhD Field Day. And I know folks a lot of times are like, man, what, what's going to be new? And what, what are some things I should be considering? Certainly one of those products is going to be Source coming out from Sound Agriculture. And we've been fortunate enough to have Rebecca Helgett here with uh, talking with Source, or I'm sorry, with Source, with Sound Agriculture, talking <laughs> about that a little bit. Rebecca, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you here and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can find out more at sound.ag. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Brian, we, we were talking about uh, sulfur here earlier. Now Rebecca's talking about unlocking more nitrogen and more phosphorus into our crops. Certainly at this time of year, crops are in high demand of nutrients, and uh, we're doing everything we can to, to try to make those available throughout the season with the choices that we make. Uh, we're, we're in dry land farming on our farm, and one of the things that we think about is controlling weeds, stopping bugs, uh, keeping disease off our crop well, as well to, uh, okay. to help it. Yeah, but let me step back for one one second. When we talk about nitrogen and all the other nutrients, let's keep in mind, if we don't have a good level of sulfur out there, then in some cases, these other nutrients aren't going to be as efficient in the plant. So that theoretically means they might use more and waste more. Well, we don't want that. So that's why we talk all the time about just the balance of nutrients on your farm. And I know that because I, I grew up on the farm too. We farm today, and all I hear about is NPK, NPK, NPK. Don't get me wrong; those are the primary nutrients, and they're super important. But I'll tell you what: if you don't have the right balance of calcium, magnesium, sulfur, the secondary nutrients, and all these different micronutrients that we talk often about here on our show, well, then it, it the system just doesn't work very well. And when you look at what the price of fertilizer is today. We can't have a system that doesn't work very well or we're not going to be very profitable. And, I, I, well, we still have good commodity prices today. What I'm worried about as we move into the future, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, whenever it is, I don't know. But at some point, we might really get the squeeze put on us where the fertilizer price is still high, yet our commodity prices are lower. Well, how are we going to make that work? And the automatic assumption is, oh, well, we'll just cut our fertilizer use. Well, you can't do that because that's probably going to cost you money in the long run. And maybe even in the short run, what you want to do is cut the right things. And so that's really what we're talking about all the time here on the show is trying to use our fertility products as wisely as we can. And it's not necessarily putting more nitrogen on, more nitrogen, more nitrogen. We need to get these other things in balance, too. And sulfur is just a really big one. All right, let's jump back into the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, get this question in from Jeremy. And he's in southeast Iowa. He said, guys, I'm an agronomist in southeast Iowa. Got a two-part question in relation to crop rotation and control of burr cucumber. We're seeing less efficacy of the corn rootworm below ground BT traits uh, if we don't have the soybean rotation. And some of these same customers that I work with uh, are, are trying to control burr cucumber, which is a big problem, and they've used the product Peak. Oh, no. Unfortunately, Peak has got a 22-month <laughs> 
plant-back restriction to soybeans. And that's if all goes well. So so if they need to rotate in order to help with the corn rootworm issue, they can't because now they got these long plant-back That's right. uh, And that's, yeah, that's two years. And I always tell guys, to be on the safe side, you might want to make it three. Peak is brutal on soybeans. Anyway, go ahead. So uh, first question, what do you think about using smart stacks along with soil applied insecticide? Uh, Would that handle moderate to higher corn rootworm pressure? Yes, that's exactly what we've done on our farm for 10 years now. Yeah, but other, I would say go to SmartStacks Pro. Yeah, SmartStacks Pro would be the other thing. And then the second question, you said, are there any other products that you'd recommend to control burr cucumber rather than peak that will allow us to rotate back to soybeans? Well, I mean, literally just about everything. So we really the, like... The challenge, Brian, go, is go burr cucumber coming back late in the season. I, and I do agree. There there are lots of products yeah, that can but, wipe it out the first flush. It's the, it's the late season escapes that everybody's nervous about. And, you know, there are a lot of other things besides just herbicides that a guy could do with row spacing, with planting exactly. population. That's what I was going to say. Go to narrower rows if you're really worried about it. I know that's a, that's a hassle. And if you don't want to do that... What we will typically talk to people about is Balance Flex is the best pre-product. Verdict is really good, too. And personally, I'd probably go Verdict. So that way I could come early post-emerge with an HPPD. Now, Bucktrill is going to be decent. Status is going to be decent. You want to throw a little bit of atrazine along with any of those post-emerge products. That's all fine. But, yeah, I'm with you, Darren, in terms of the late season but I still come back to if you have a fantastic crop canopy, then it's not so bad. So that's where we talk about drainage, fertility. Maybe, yep, if you have to, worst case scenario. More narrow row spacing, something. But I, I know it's a tough weed, but peak is not a great option because, yeah, soybeans are out for a long time. Well, stay tuned. We'll get to more of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. 
At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. And we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time here, taking your calls and questions at 844 844- 44 ag phd or you can email us radio at agphd.com and of course you can do both you can send us an email and uh, also follow up with a phone call if you want to talk about that i uh, got this one from travis and he said guys i'm in the process of making some lime decisions for this fall and want some input i attended a neil kinsey seminar a little over a year ago and what caught my attention was his discussion on using gypsum to correct high magnesium soils which is our case most of the time we've got base saturation calcium generally above 64 percent so it should work just fine according to neil now our soils are almost all uh, uh, above that with calcium but still in the low sixes for ph uh, so something else to note, we've really struggled trying to raise our base saturation potassium. It's generally around 2 to 3%. So my thought is, could we effectively strip out magnesium, uh, and would that help improve potassium? And I got a few other questions as well. No, that's not going to improve your potassium. When we talk about stripping out magnesium, maybe over time, when if you get enough sulfur combining with that magnesium to form Epsom salts, you can leach some of the magnesium out, but that's a slow process. What you're going to do more than anything is you're going to flip the ratio with calcium and magnesium if you put more calcium out there. Now, are you going to make your... The, the reason why you're having a tough time building the base saturation K number, it has to do with you have a heavy soil. When you have a heavy soil, there are lots of binding sites. So the base saturation is a percentage. Well, when you have lots of binding sites, that means you need lots of K to flip that percentage. And putting gypsum out, and even if some magnesium did go out of the ground, is that really going to lower your overall canning exchange capacity? Probably not. All right. Uh, he said, if I'm using gypsum in a situation like this, would you variable rate it? And if so, how would you base that variable rate decision? Yes. Uh, it, okay. So let me say this. 
Well, I believe. Oh, and, and what I would know, you what would you target? A calcium yeah. percentage or a pH? No, I wouldn't target either. I would target a magnesium percentage potentially. But well, okay. Let me step back. First of all, with this calcium and magnesium thing, we we do see that that hey, if I get that right, it's a good thing for yield. The problem is it's so expensive to get it to that. That it's one of these things I just tell people, look, fix literally everything else you have. So I wouldn't spend a dollar on this calcium and magnesium thing till well, I fix my base me, saturation K. Let me just throw some numbers at you, Brian. So their average magnesium is 16. That's perfect. And well, their, high, quite, their high is 25 close. and their low is 10, but the average is 16. Yeah, 16. On calcium, the average is 71. The low is 61 and the high is 83. Yeah, that's perfect. So they're, they're dialing it in fairly close yeah, there. And so, then it's a CEC uh, with an average of 20. I was going to say, I'll bet you it's about 20. Uh, anyway, I, I, I would just say fix all your other stuff first. Spend your money first on the potassium, and I'd be looking at, like our topic today, sulfur. I'd look at all the micros. I'd literally get everything else fixed, and then I'd worry about that because right now you're in the right range. So, sure, if you got a spot that's 25 magnesium and you want to throw some gypsum out there, that would be a good spot to try it. But a lot of times on heavy soils, what we're shooting for is somewhere. And this depends on the lab a little bit, too. So with Neil's lab, it might look a little bit different than Midwest labs. Just I'm throwing it out there. So every lab will record things a little different. Like with Neil's lab, he includes micronutrients as part of the base saturation figure. Well, that's going to skew the data a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. So in other words, a high number on Neil's test might not be quite good enough on somebody else's test for potassium or magnesium or something like that. So anyway, 12 to 14, somewhere in that kind of range on a lot of the different soil labs tests were plenty good with. And even all the way up to 20, it's usually not a real big problem. So I, I just, I'd spend my money on something else first. All right. Sit back to the phone lines here. Got Patrick up in Ontario, Canada with us. Patrick, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. All right. understand you're doing a little tank mixing. Why don't you explain what you're up to? Well, I have to do my last pass. And I was wondering if I could put Roundup, a fungicide, and a foliar feed of manganese and uh, phosphate in uh, one tank mix, or would that be too much? Well, I will tell you, Patrick, we're spraying beans right now, and we are including... Uh, well, I don't know if we actually have Roundup in this time, but we've got fungicide in there, we have insecticide, we've got some water treatment things... Plant growth hormones, foliar fertilizer, so we're actually even doing more than you are. Um, no, I, I wouldn't think that's too much. I would say this, though, with phosphorus, it doesn't get absorbed very well by plants. So you can sure try it. I, I would try some, maybe some strips or half fields or whatever, where I'd literally leave the phosphorus out and just see if that actually made any difference because I'll bet you it's not going to make a whole lot of difference for you. Maybe it will, but I'm, I'm skeptical on that. Manganese, that certainly could help if your plant needs manganese, though. Fungicide's good. I don't have any big issue with Roundup other than we're getting, you know, right to the end. R2, full flower, that's it for Roundup. That's the latest it's labeled, at least in the United States. I'm not 100% sure up in Canada, but I would assume it's the same thing. So as long as you're careful with the label on the Roundup, I really don't see any big issue. Okay. Okay, 
great. Um, yeah, I, that's all I was wondering. And like the fungicide part of it, I know last year when I picked the corn in this field, I did see like the mushrooms or the sclerotia there. Um, and you can see it in between the corn rows, so I, I'm pretty certain that it's probably a smart idea to to put the fungicide on for sure too. What what fungicide are you using? I I'd have to ask my okay, uh, sales guy. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yep, no problem. And the reason why I bring that up is, let's say you're after sclerotinia white mold. There are only certain fungicides that are good on that. Others aren't. So here again, I'll just give you the example of our farm. What we did a couple of weeks ago is we went out with Endura and spot sprayed on the worst let's call it 20% of our ground where we've had traditional white mold issues. The remaining 80%, we figured we're going to save the money. We don't normally have white mold there. And so literally in every field, we had to go do a little spot treat with the Endura. Now we're coming back with a much cheaper fungicide that's more broad-based, just plant health and controlling some general diseases, but is not going to do a real good job controlling sclerotinia white mold. So yeah, that that's that's the reason why I ask, and I, I would just bring that up to whoever you're working with on that. So hopefully you two are on the same page that you're going to get the disease under control that you're really targeting out there. Anything else we can do for you, Patrick? No, no, that's it. That's it, Darren. Thanks. All right. Yep. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. So yeah, like I was saying on our farm, we are spraying fungicide and we are we are throwing insecticide in too. And this is something I just encourage everybody always. If you're going to be making a trip out in the field, please scout first and scout fairly well because just at the last minute, bugs can show up. Well, if you're heading out tomorrow and you're going to be spraying anyway, you don't want to have to make another trip in another few days. Get it done all in one shot if you can. Now, I'm not saying we should just all automatically spray insecticide. I'm saying please scout first if you find a number of harmful insects out there and you feel you're at a threshold level because it doesn't take near as many to justify it and be at that economic threshold level when you're already out there spraying anyway. Well, throw the insecticide in and then be smart about it too. What we're using in our farm right now is bifenthrin. And the reason why we're using that or brigade or capture. I mean, there are a number of different names for bifenthrin. The reason we're using that is because I'm concerned about spider mites. Even though we've had some rain, we're still in basically a two-year drought here. And that concerns me when it comes to spider mites. When we have drought conditions, so it's hot and dry, then we have more more issue with these spider mites. So with bifenthrin, it'll get spider mites, at least in our area. And if I use, let's say, a cheap pyrethroid like a Lambda product or something, then that will kill pretty much everything else other than the spider mites. So it will kill some of the natural predators of spider mites. Well, I don't want that. If I'm going to be out there spraying and I have to kill the natural predators of the spider mites anyway, I might as well kill the spider mites too if there are any there. So just be a little bit careful about which insecticide you pick or maybe you need to throw a miticide in. But please scout first before you're out spraying. Well, thanks for listening to today's show, and we also hope you can attend the Ag PhD Field Day. It's coming up next week. It's Thursday, July 28th. You can find all the details and pre-register at agphd.com. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more agphd.com, and stay tuned right now for Rob Sharkey and Shark more Farmer agphd.com. Radio. How about more agphd radio? We got that, too. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time.